This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight, if you're waiting for this wildfire smoke to clear, don't hold your breath. Plus, should non-married cross-border couples be allowed face-to-face -face visits? And... My hero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Went and got it for me, thank you. Yeah, no, team effort. <laughs> How a North Vancouver couple sleuthed their way to recovering their stolen bike. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday, socked in by smoke. We're going to show you a live look at the Vancouver skyline once again, shrouded in wildfire smoke drifting north from the U.S. Vehicle lights on as drivers cross the Lionsgate Bridge, broad daylight obscured by the haze. And this is the seawall near the Canby Bridge, also under a thick layer of smog. The condos blanketed in fine particulate matter. What started out along our southern border has now spread deeper into B.C. and to parts of Alberta. With an air quality advisory still in place, many people are being forced to stay indoors. Grace Key has the latest, including why this could become the new normal. We're now on day six of a smoke advisory. The dense wildfire smoke continues to hang over Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, and some have had enough. Terrible, because you don't have any sun. The other part about it is after the fire, the soil is very nutrient-rich, and we will grow new things, so let's be positive. Usually on Sundays, I run with two of my friends, so we just decided not to today because of this. The smoke is causing visibility problems. It was so bad on Sunday, flights with Harbor Air and Helijet were canceled. The smoke is coming in from wildfires in Washington, Oregon, and California. The Cold Springs Fire in Okanagan County in Washington State is 45% contained, and their weather service is forecasting the air quality to increase a bit on Monday. But it's going to get even worse come Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, the so this stuff is going to be with us until, I would say, Thursday uh, to Friday. Uh, and like I said, it's going to be worse than what it is right now is what they're predicting. For our region, the dense smoke is expected to start clearing late Sunday into Monday. You can expect localized smoke to be lingering in some municipalities, though it's not expected to be as bad. It's not going to be, you know, one of those slam dunk cold fronts sweeping through. It's going to happen very gradually. Um, the very south bit of Vancouver Island will start. Uh, Vancouver, uh, it will be so gradual, it will probably take until tomorrow morning before we really see really, you know, s the, the concentrations kind of start to, to wane a little bit. The experts say you can expect smoky conditions like this to become more frequent and intense for the changing climate. Climate projections in our region indicate hotter, drier and longer summers, which increase the likelihood of wildfires with more extreme smoky conditions. Grace Key, Global News. And the worsening air quality is now being felt in the Okanagan this weekend. Many people cancelling outdoor plans like renting boats due to the smoke. The poor air quality is expected to continue through Monday in the Okanagan, but conditions are forecast to improve slightly to high risk from very high risk there.
The smoky conditions are also adversely impacting an indigenous community near Powell River, already dealing with a COVID-19 outbreak. More than 20 members of the Clahaman Nation on the Sunshine Coast have been tested positive. Due to the poor air quality, additional check-ins are being scheduled for those recovering at home. Food and medication are still being delivered, allowing them to shelter in place. Talks will be held to determine if an election on the First Nation planned for September 19th will have to be postponed. One of the symptoms is a shortness of breath. And I think uh, with how heavy the smoke is here, even the people that are not um, uh, affected by the COVID virus are kind of getting uh, itchy throats and a bit of headaches from just this heavy smoke. I think every, I think everybody in the lower mainland probably can understand uh, the same thing that we're going through. But uh, yeah, it, I think it's just another irritant to, to add to the symptoms uh, that the people are experiencing. The COVID crisis has kept thousands of couples and families apart due to the sudden and indefinite closure of the Canada-U.S. border to non-essential travel. That has prompted some of those families to organize, calling for a relaxation of some of those restrictions in order to allow them to meet face-to-face with loved ones. Paul Johnson reports. Eric and I met in 1978 in the eighth grade. U.S. Minster's Jennifer North will happily tell you the long story of her relationship with Eric Schoeniker. School friends from White Rock, they lost touch for decades, then reunited in middle age and fell in love. For years, they happily carried on between his home in Washington State and Canada, until the border closure. Just the mental, the mental wear of being apart and not just not being able to have your partner beside you. I think it's, uh, you know, huge emotional and, and psychological impact. I think the biggest thing is the uncertainty of not knowing, you know, when we'll really be able to see each other on a regular basis. Though they're as important to one another as family, the government doesn't consider them such. And so the border closure means separation. Eric kept saying, you know, I'm I'm sure the border will open soon. Don't worry, it'll open soon. And month after month, the border didn't open. North is now supporting a petition called Faces of Advocacy, organized by an Ontario doctor who's noticed an alarming mental health toll on people separated by the closure. They're calling on the government to expand the criteria of who can enter the country to include people in committed relationships point out that if the government can figure out a way to allow Hollywood actors to resume shooting in Vancouver and allow NHL players and their wives and girlfriends in, certainly something could be done for the thousands of average Canadians like North, who without some kind of recognition for the importance of their loved ones, are facing a separation with no end in sight. We still very much believe that uh, visiting um, for recreational reasons are, are, are very risky right now and we would advocate to keep the border closed to those. It's kind of like a knife in the heart. Um, I feel desperate. It makes me very sad that Canada is taking this hard line. Um, I don't believe that a closed border forever is the right thing. Paul Johnson, Global News. A woman has been charged after a child in downtown Vancouver was spat on. One of Marilyn Gardner's twin granddaughters was assaulted on Thursday as they crossed the street near B.C. Supreme Court on Hornby Street. A suspect was arrested in the unprovoked attack on the little girl and police now say a charge has been laid. 
Vancouver Deputy Chief Howard Chow tweeted that the woman who spat on a four-year-old for absolutely no reason was located, arrested and charged and that no one should have to put up with this, especially a child. Starting tomorrow, Starbucks customers will have to mask up before entering all of the coffee giant's Canadian stores. Starbucks Canada is joining the list of retailers adopting a mandatory mask policy to control the spread of COVID-19. Face coverings will be required in all company-owned stores. Employees are already wearing them. Customers ordering drive through curbside pickup or delivery will not have to wear masks. Starbucks customers in the U.S. have had to wear face coverings at all company-owned stores since mid-July. TNT supermarkets will resume customer temperature checks tomorrow. The Asian grocery chain halted the safety protocol in early June due to inaccurately high readings from the hot summer weather. Well, now that the weather has cooled slightly, TNT will resume temperature checks at entrances on a voluntary basis. Masks remain mandatory. A large crowd took part in a demonstration in downtown Vancouver this afternoon over the public health restrictions to stop the spread of COVID-19. The lockdown is not needed anymore, and we're here to take a stand today and let, let them know enough is enough. They gathered at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon to protest mandatory mask requirements and physical distancing measures. They then marched through the downtown core before rallying back at the plaza. The BPD says the crowd grew to about 700 people. So far, they report no major issues. It's the end of an era for a foodie institution in Surrey. Hello, kids. You brought your own bread with you? Yeah. Whoa. Today was the last day of operations at La, La Charcuterie Delicatessen, also known as the Sandwich Nazi. Customers flooded in all day to grab their signature large sandwiches and other treats. They all love the owner, despite his brusque manner. After 35 years of serving the public, I guess, uh, it's time to retire. And uh, lots of other reasons around, like, uh, become more stressful to have your own business, especially during Corona or COVID-19. Too many rules and regulation and uh, stress. Well, not quite a year after Strata Councils noticed the cost of Strata insurance skyrocketing and asked for help, the provincial government announced changes to bring about greater transparency in the industry. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, what are the changes? Uh, not surprising ones calling. This has been hinted at uh, for some time by the NDP government. And again, everything the government does right now is sort of framed against a potential election. This is good news potentially for thousands of people who've seen their insurance costs uh, spike as much as 40 percent. Alarming numbers for so many people. So here are the changes, three of them basically in number. Uh, it, starting November 1st, it, it will require 30 days notice for any change to any insurance policy in Stratus. There's also uh, commissioner, commissions uh, earned by uh, insurance Insurance agents must be disclosed. Uh, that's been a controversial topic. And if they don't, they could face a fine of $25,000 or a corporation could face a $50,000 fine. And finally, those referral fees, which a lot of people didn't even know about that, that went to strata managers for insurance transactions are now banned. And that last one, Colleen, uh, takes effective today. So uh, that's effective immediately. The other two take effect November 1st. Again, uh, everything the government does, you have to keep in mind, there could be an election call. Looking ahead to this week, there is a big government economic recovery plan announcement of $1.5 billion. That's going to be more good news. But um, 
tomorrow, Colin. You and I will be on BC1 talking about something, as we always do, and that's the daily COVID number. And tomorrow, it's going to be a big one, folks. We went yes. into the weekend at 111 a day, three, three uh, reporting days. It could hit 350, which I think will take a lot of people's breath away. We will have to brace ourselves for that. Thanks, Keith. All right. After a delay in the campaign due to the pandemic, the B.C. Greens will find out tomorrow afternoon who their new leader will be. There are three candidates vying to replace Andrew Weaver. Kim Darwin is a Seashell mortgage broker and entrepreneur. Sonia Furstenau from Shawnigan Lake is currently the MLA for Cowichan. And Cam Brewer is a Vancouver environmental lawyer. Weaver announced in January that he was stepping down as leader and leaving the party due to family health reasons. He is not seeking re-election. Today's Google Doodle honors a Canadian icon. Terry Fox is the subject of the special doodle featuring the work of Toronto-based artist Lynn Skirfield. Google Canada partnered with the artist to depict the start of Terry's Marathon of Hope in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador with inspiration from Canada's group of seven landscape paintings. Today marks the 40th anniversary of the first Terry Fox run. Terry's legacy, of course, lives on with countries around the world hosting Terry Fox runs every year in support of the fight against cancer. Today is World Sepsis Day, a day that has greater significance this year because of COVID-19. Sepsis is a severe immune response to infection. It can very quickly cause organ failure or even death. A group of doctors and scientists at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver is at the forefront of the fight against sepsis. Researchers have quickly noticed that acute COVID patients are often sepsis patients. So when COVID patients are hospitalized and have acute respiratory failure, shock and organ infection, Infection, that meets the definition of sepsis that puts even more pressure on physicians to rapidly diagnose and treat those patients. In Canada, there's about 30,000 people a year who are diagnosed with sepsis. Uh, and with COVID-19, those numbers have gone up. Uh, because, as I said, one of the major complications of covid is uh, pneumonia with sepsis. It's the most uh, feared complication, it's the most severe complication, and so we are seeing an increase in our sepsis cases. What we found was a whole class of drugs that are used extremely commonly in high blood pressure could end up being really effective treatment for COVID-19. Could lead to a decreased risk of hospitalization and a decreased risk of death. So we've set up a series of studies all across Canada and now expanding into other countries where we're testing whether these drugs can actually improve the outcomes of patients, adults, hospitalized with COVID-19. Bike theft is a common crime throughout Metro Vancouver, and too often they aren't recovered. But a North Vancouver couple got their stolen bike back, thanks in part to their own detective work. Kristen Robinson has more on how they tracked down the suspect and where police caught up with the alleged thief. Rack back here, and there was fenders that attached here. Stripped of a few parts, Vanessa and Matt McMaster have their bike back. As soon as we heard it was stolen, I thought it was that was it. We'd never find it. The North Vancouver couple cycle commutes, and their Norco worth $1,500 disappeared from Vanessa's bike cage at work last Tuesday. It's kind of like losing a car. The pair shared a photo of the bike on an online cycling site. And when someone posted about seeing it near the Lionsgate Bridge, Matt decided to keep an eye out as he crossed the span on his ride home from Vancouver. I was sitting at Marine in Capilano. Uh, at the left turn lane and he walked right across the crosswalk in front of me with it. I knew right away like that was the bike. 
As the suspect sat down at a bus stop, he called police, who got back to him 15 minutes later. I said, we got your bike. North Vancouver RCMP don't have any bike theft stats to share, but Vancouver police say the number of bikes reported stolen this past May and June is down 42% over the same time last year. I think the police stats are a little off of, of reality. Anecdotally, I would say it's as bad as it's ever been. Reckless Bikes owner Paul Dragon suspects 25 to 40 percent of bike thefts go unreported. And I think it stems from having lost a bike or two previously that they've never recovered. And so now there's a, a feeling of why bother? A lot of those bikes do not stay in Vancouver. They go out, they go south, they go east. Still, he encourages cyclists to register with the VPD's 529 program and to report bike thefts. The McMasters are glad they did. It was lucky he got on a bus because at least where he got on, he was trapped. RCMP stopped the bus on the Lions Gate and arrested the alleged bike thief. The bike handed back to the couple because they had the serial number. My hero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Went and got it for me. Thank you. Yeah, no, team effort. Kristen Robinson. Global News. A Creston couple is sharing what they consider a minor miracle during Monday's windstorm. Well, I think we were shocked right away. And, yeah, and, and then, but, then it was like we were numb. We got out and looked at it and basically said, I guess it's we got to walk home because the truck isn't going anywhere. Wow, what's left of Jackie and Ron Ramage's truck is sitting in their yard. The pair were camping when the winds picked up Monday, so they packed up to drive home, but they didn't get far. The couple had to stop on Highway 3A near Creston, where the wind toppled dozens of trees and blew power lines onto the road. When they backed up to turn around, a massive yellow pine crashed down on the bed of their pickup truck, missing them by inches. When I got out, that's when I realized how big it was. Then from there, we proceeded to walk in the, in the windstorm to get to Sadar. And Trees are falling <laughs> down all around us. We could hear them falling in the bushes we're walking. And, oh yeah. Some were across the highway, so we had to walk over them and around them. It, it was quite weird. I, I think about it now, and I'm, I, I'm still kind of blown away that we went through that. It was an adventure, and we, I think our lives were spared more than once that day. The wife of former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien has died. Hélène Chrétien died peacefully Saturday morning, surrounded by family in her Quebec home. She rarely spoke in public, but behind the scenes, she was her husband's most trusted confidant, advising him on key decisions. She also helped save the Prime Minister's life, coming face-to-face -face with a knife-wielding intruder who broke into their Ottawa residence. Eline Chrétien came from humble beginnings in Shawinigan and met her future husband on a bus when she was 15 years old. They married six years later and celebrated their 63rd wedding anniversary this week. The cause of death has not been made public. Eline Chrétien was 84 years old. Earlier, we showed you how wildfire smoke is impacting us here in B.C. Well, have a look at a satellite image of California a year ago yesterday. Now, this is what it looked like yesterday, a blanket of smoke. And that's just California. In the wildfires that continue to ravage the U.S. West Coast, at least 33 people have been killed, and that number is expected to rise, with many still missing. Tonight in Oregon, devastation and desperation after scenes like this. A massive fireball exploding. 
A million acres burned, 16 active fires, and at least 10 dead. Entire towns in ruins, dogs searching for bodies, thousands evacuated and sheltering in parking lots. I was just paralyzed, you know, I didn't really realize it was happening. It feels like Armageddon. Cecile Reynolds lost everything. We didn't have a destination. We didn't know where we were going. We just left. A single mother now staying with her boys at a hotel. Their town leveled, their home gone. Remember the fence was right there. Her son Dominic struggling to understand. I was feeling sad and scared at the moment because I knew that we were going to most likely lose our home. Thousands also lost their homes in California. Overnight, firefighters recovered three bodies from the North Complex fire. Now more than a quarter contained. Conditions have improved and progress has been made, but that can all change and quickly. Fire crews are hosing down hot spots here by the highway. They're really concerned the winds could pick up tonight. Residents far from the front lines are also feeling the effects. The toxic haze so bad, fears the San Francisco 49ers would have to cancel their season opener. And for Steve Peterson and Leslie Porteous, this has been a two-year trauma. The PTSD is bad. It's terrible. 2018, the couple lost their home to the Paradise Fire. They've been homeless ever since. Four days ago, their campgrounds were evacuated because of the smoke. And we need help. We absolutely do need help. Well, from wildfires on the west coast to flooding on the east, heavy rain from tropical storm Sally began pelting Miami last night. The storm is expected to strengthen over the next few days and is forecast to become a hurricane by late Monday. It's then expected to be a Category 2 storm at landfall near New Orleans Tuesday morning. Tropical storm Sally is the 18th named storm of the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. In Georgia, a white sheriff's deputy was fired today after being caught on camera brutally restraining a black man during a traffic stop. And a warning, this video is disturbing. It's yet another shocking video showing white police officers violently restraining a black man in front of his family. Multiple videos show Clayton County, Georgia deputies pinning Roderick Walker to the ground. One punches him. A deputy also complains Walker bit his hand. A child screams for his father. Walker lost consciousness twice during his arrest, according to his lawyer. There doesn't appear to be any video that shows what led up to the incident. But Walker's attorney said it was completely unprovoked. What the video and the evidence in this case is undisputed is going to show and has shown is that Roderick was doing nothing wrong. Walker's attorney said someone was driving Walker, his girlfriend, and one of his children when police pulled the car over for a taillight violation. When deputies asked Walker, the passenger, for his ID, he asked why. They became upset when he inquired, like every American citizen has the right to inquire, why are you asking me for my ID? I'm not driving. Walker's attorney says the deputies then asked him to leave the car. It's unclear how the episode became violent, and authorities have not said why the car was pulled over. Walker is in a jail hospital charged with two counts of battery and two counts of obstructing law enforcement. And the sheriff says he has outstanding warrants for other incidents. But Walker's lawyer and family say it's the police who need to face justice. I just want my son home because he would be real bad. He did nothing wrong. 
I haven't talked to him since Friday. Today, the Clayton County Sheriff's Office said the deputy who punched Walker is being terminated for excessive use of force and turned the investigation over to the district attorney's office as protests tonight grow. Matt Bradley, NBC News. Los Angeles police are on the hunt to find a suspect who shot two L.A. County Sheriff's deputies last night. Officials have now released video appearing to show the moment it happened in hopes of finding the suspect. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department released this surveillance video, which appears to show a suspect with a gun walking up to the patrol car. We've paused the video after the suspect raises the gun to the car. The two deputies, a man and a woman, both suffered multiple gunshot wounds and were rushed to hospital in critical condition. The suspect is at large. The two deputies were doing their job, minding their own business, uh, watching out for the safety of the people on the train and seeing somebody just walk up and just start shooting on them. It, it's, uh, it pisses me off. It dismays me at the same time and I, there's no prettier way to say it. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Not every story out of the U.S. wildfires is tragic, and Gertie here is proof. We're going to have her story after Yvonne's forecast. But first. Last night, we showed you a pot of whales that surfaced in the waters off Campbell River. It's Port Moody's turn tonight. Boaters in the waters off Indian Arm spotted this pot of killer whales surfacing yesterday afternoon. The operator of the boat killing the engines before the magnificent creatures came right up to them for an unforgettable sight. Oh, that's amazing. Yvonne, uh, we need something to be a lovely sight, given that we can't really see very far in this weather. Yeah, limited visibility out there. We still have very poor air quality. We need a weather maker that is going to push in and hopefully flush out uh, the smoke. So I'll have your smoke forecast in just a moment. Here's a glance of the tower cam and what it looked like through the day today. Uh, we aren't going to see much of an improvement just yet, but there is a little bit of a shift in the winds, and it could hopefully improve the air quality slightly as we get in towards the early half of the week. First off, temperatures are sitting at 14 degrees. We had highs up to 16 degrees without the sun. It has been cooler today and we've got a southwesterly wind right now at 7 kilometers per hour and that's out of the airport. A few photos to share that were captured over the weekend. The sun trying to peek through, peek through and this was in Greenwood so thank you so much Bridget. Another shot of the limited visibility on Okanagan Lake captured by Joyce. Wards Marina last night Mike tried to capture the sunset and that's what it looked like. And Predator Ridge, Jason, this was a great one. Above and then below 12 hours later to show the difference that we've been seeing across the province. Now, the gray areas of Smoky Skies Bulletin is blanketing the province, even stretching in towards the central interior and the northeastern corners. Now, for the northeastern corners, there is that instability with a slight chance for some showers. Most areas, though, we are going to continue to see that widespread smoke. We've had a southerly flow over the weekend, and that's been pushing in and pumping in all the smoke across the province. Now, we're hoping to see a bit of a shift in the winds tomorrow to more of a southwesterly and westerly flow. And that could give us a bit of an improvement with the air quality. It'll be brief if we do see it from Monday and Tuesday. A bit of an improvement, especially in comparison to today. Today was definitely the worst day out of the weekend. So slight improvement for Monday, potentially leading in towards Tuesday. And then the smoke is going to pick up once again on Wednesday. So we're not out of the clear just yet. A heads up if you are making plans for the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It is going to increase, especially along the south coast. This is a satellite imagery that actually just captured off of the University of Washington 
Edmonton. We can see that smoke and the smoke forecast, and this was taken by Environment Canada. Now, for firesmoke.ca, the smoke forecast is showing us a little bit of a break, so that'll be once again for Monday and potentially into Tuesday. And on Tuesday across the south coast, we may see a few isolated showers. Not enough to flush out the smoke, but it'll be a touch cooler for a few areas along the south coast as well. So the northern half of the province for tomorrow, temperatures will be up to 17. We're seeing some wet weather for the northeastern corners of the province. It's widespread smoke that's pushing in across the central interior. And a target for the smoke tomorrow with the winds will be for the southeastern corners. The Colombian Kootenai smoke, heavy smoke, and that'll be pushing in towards the southern half for all areas. Now, especially along the border, we'll be keeping a close eye. That'll intensify for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. A Soyuz will bump up to 25 as the high. Whistler tomorrow closer to 17 degrees. So we are going to be looking at the winds tomorrow hopefully a bit of a shift to southwesterly winds a bit of an improvement in the air quality but again a reminder if you do have any respiratory issues please be very diligent and careful and limit the amount of time that you're spending outdoors tuesday we could see a sprinkle very light in terms of precipitation and then heavy smoke once again so a heads up for wednesday thursday friday colleen okie doke thanks so much yvonne Gertie, the donkey, <clears throat> excuse me, is safe and is about to be reunited with her owners after the massive creek fire forced evacuations through central California. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> oh, Gertie. The donkey was in the care of neighbors as her owners were out of town on business when everyone was suddenly told to leave the area. Gertie ended up being left behind alone in a field. A local police deputy on patrol found her and was eventually able to contact her owners. And sheriff's deputies searching through burned homes in Central California on Friday found a puppy in the debris. The little guy was treated for minor burns at a local vet clinic and is said to be okay. The deputies decided to name him Trooper. Aww. See, happy stories do come out of the fire. We're both dirty and Trooper. Yeah. Tough Very. little Trooper. Very <laughs> nice. Yeah. What do you got coming up there? Well, first NFL Sunday of the season, no fans in the stands, but I think a lot of people watching on TV, especially the Seahawks, who opened in Atlanta, very impressive outing, especially from Russell Wilson, who he's never missed a game ever in his Seahawks career, and he was right on today. So highlights of that and other NFL stuff, and we will see if uh, Brooke Henderson and Eugenie Bouchard could win their respective tournaments as well. Okay, looking forward to it. Thanks, Bear. As we head into flu season, you may find yourself asking yourself, do I have the flu or is it COVID? Well, a look now at the similarities and differences in the symptoms and what you need to do if you experience any of them. So we're just going to swab a couple times. It's a question many of us will face this fall and winter. Is it COVID or is it the flu? Being able to tell the difference of what you get and being scared that you might have something when it's something simpler like a cold. Both influenza and COVID-19 are highly infectious respiratory illnesses. And Dr. Jason Kirquino with One Medical in Beverly Hills says the symptoms of both are very similar. We're talking fever chills, muscle ache, cough, fatigue, shortness of breath, runny eyes, runny nose. But there is a key difference. The incubation period for the flu is quick, about one to two days from exposure. With COVID, it can be anywhere from two days to two weeks. One of the symptoms that we don't see with flu, influenza, we do see with COVID-19, is that loss of sense of smell and taste. 
that could be one of the key distinguishers. Dr. Kirquino says early research has shown that COVID is more contagious than the flu. But this flu season, if anyone comes down with a fever in your home, everyone who lives there should self-quarantine until the symptomatic person gets a negative COVID test. And here's the bad news. There are two separate virus strains that you can technically become infected with both of them at the same time. But there is good news. Doctors are hopeful that this will be a mild flu season due to people staying home more, social distancing, wearing masks and washing their hands. Everyone over the age of six months is encouraged to get a flu shot, but doctors worry they won't. And to quote Dr. Bonnie Henry, if you feel unwell, Stay home. Well, like so many things during the pandemic, Halloween will not be the same this year. But one Prince George man is going the extra mile to make sure kids can trick-or-treat safely. Dave Horton plans to keep the spirit of Halloween alive by creating a candy cruise drive through event. The goal is to give families a fun event and also give businesses struggling to survive a much-needed boost. Kids and their parents will be given a predetermined route which will stop at stores and organizations along Along the way, some three dozen establishments have already registered to be part of the event, which will involve lots of candy and more foot traffic for local businesses handing it out. Instead of door to door, you're going organization to organization picking up stuff. Um, at the same time, what we're telling people is don't don't buy candy and don't try to hand it out at your house. We think I, I think that's kind of a, a point of contact. I think it's going to be a point of like opening up your home to the community is kind of a danger. Barry's here with a look at sports and kicking things off with a little NFL news. Mm -hmm. All that smoke out there, a good day to be watching football all day. Although even when it's sunny, I think Sunday is a good day to be watching (laughs) football all day. Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Seahawks are considered a Super Bowl contender this year. They did make some key acquisitions in their secondary and offensive line. But let's face it, the Seahawks' success is based on Russell Wilson. And if week one is any indication, Wilson is ready to lead the Seahawks back to another Super Bowl. Wilson near perfect in the opening half against Atlanta. 11th season for Pete Carroll as Hawks coach, and what a dynamic duo they have been. Wilson completing his first 11 passes. Perfect execution to Chris Carson here. Takes it in for the touchdown, and Seattle led 7-3. More from Wilson and Carson again later in the half. Carson does the heavy lifting on this play. Short little dump pass and solid blocking the whole way. Second major of the day for Carson. 14-12, Seattle at the half. They really kick it up a gear in the offense in the third quarter. Going for it on fourth and five at midfield. Wilson to DK Metcalf over the top in stride. 38-yard touchdown. Does anyone throw the deep ball more accurately than Russell Wilson? That was poetry. 21-12 Seahawks. One of the new additions on offense, veteran tight end Greg Olson. 13-year career with the Bears and Panthers. His first TD is a Seahawks, 60th of his career, and it was 28-12 after three. Seahawks defense stopped the Falcons four times on fourth down, including the sack of Matt Ryan by another newcomer, a newcomer Benson Mayoa. Pete Carroll jacked about that. Hawks put it away in the fourth. More magic from Wilson. Escapes pressure, then slings it to David Moore. Wilson, an, an incredible 31 of 35. They punch it in for the touchdown a play later. 31 of 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns, 143.1 quarterback rating. Impressive in the opener as they beat the Falcons 38-25. Now elsewhere, after 20 seasons in New England, Tom Brady making his debut as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in New Orleans against Drew Brees and the Saints. First quarter,
quarter. Brady's first drive as a buck sneaks it in for the touchdown. Good start, 7-0 Tampa, but the Saints led 17-7 at the half and early third. Brady intercepted by Janoris Jenkins, takes it all the way back. 36-yard pick six, 24-7 Saints, one of two picks on the day for Brady. Breeze had a pair of touchdown tosses, this one to Emmanuel Sanders as the Saints win 34-23. Brady did have two TD passes, but he takes his loss in his first game as a buck. Tom Brady's replacement in New England is Cam Newton, the former Carolina Panther. Second quarter, Newton doing what he does best, run the ball. He's such a big man, but he's fast. And it's a four-yard touchdown, winning untouched there. 7-0 Patriots. Third quarter, Newton again. This time, it's an 11-yard touchdown run through for just 155 yards, but got it done with the legs, wins his Patriots debut 21-11 over the Dolphins. Reigning MVP Lamar Jackson and the Ravens hosting the Cleveland Browns, and this was one-way traffic. Already 17-7 Baltimore, Jackson goes nine yards to Mark Andrews for the touchdown, 24-6 Ravens at the half, and then in the third, Jackson 19 yards to Willie Sneed, three TDs for Lamar Jackson as the Ravens roll past the Browns 38-6. First game for the Las Vegas Raiders, relocating yet again from Oakland at Carolina to play the Panthers. Raiders led in the fourth until Teddy Bridgewater hits Robbie Anderson for a 75-yard touchdown, and Carolina had the lead 30-27, but with just four minutes to go, Josh Jacobs with his third touchdown run of the game, and viva Las Vegas, the Raiders win their first representing their new town 34-30. Well, Brooke Henderson is already the winningest pro golfer in Canadian history with nine LPGA tournament wins. She was looking for number 10 today in Palm Springs at the LPGA's first major since their restart, the ANA Inspiration. Henderson began the day tied for the lead with American Nellie Corda on the 11th, Brooke with the birdie putt. Nicely read, and that helps her remain tied with quarter at 15 under. On the 13th, though, Brooke, a rare mistake. Third shot on the par five, leaves it in the bunker. Ended up making a double bogey and fell two shots off the lead. But at 16, slippery birdie putt here just sneaks it in the side door. Back to within one. Meanwhile, up at 18, Miram Lee, two off the lead. Third shot on the par five. Remember? You know, it chips that in for an eagle. All of a sudden, Lee is tied with Corda at the top. She can't believe it. But Brooke can join the playoff with a birdie at 18, and she does, thanks to this fantastic chip shot under immense pressure. She would tap that in for the birdie. So it's a three-way playoff between Corda, Henderson, and Miram Lee. First playoff hole. Brooke with a chance for the birdie, but just yanked it a little bit, so it's a par. So that opens the door for Miram Lee, and she walks right through. Knocks it in for the win. Out of nowhere, really, Miram Lee wins the ANA Inspiration. A tough one for Brooke, but still a good battle down in the desert. Canada's Eugenie Bouchard in her first WTA final since 2016, looking for her second career win. The Istanbul Open against Patricia Maria Tig of Romania. Jeannie came out on fire, took the opening set 6-2, but Tig roared back to take the second 6-1, was up big in the third until Jeannie rallied, fought off five match points, forced the tie break thanks to great shots like that. Bouchard led the tie break for love, but unfortunately Tig won the next seven points as Bouchard falls in three sets, but perhaps her most positive week in tennis in four years. Hopefully she can build on it. 
it. U.S. Open men's final, Dominic Team of Austria versus Alex Zverev of Germany. Both men looking for their first Grand Slam title. All Zverev, the first two sets, took just 79 minutes to jump out 6-2-6-4. Team didn't have any answers. But in five-set matches, it can turn quickly, and it did. Team won the third set, and then check out the athleticism here. Great stab volley at the net, recovers, and then will put away the winner. Team takes the fourth set. We go to a fifth and deciding. Now it goes to a tiebreaker, but it was hot and humid. Team cramping up as they near the four-hour mark. Called in the trainer. What a way to lose your first major championship, but he digs down and hits the winner, and on wobbly legs, Dominic Team gets his first ever Grand Slam title winning the U.S. Open. Hockey now, Game 4, Eastern Conference Final. Matthew Barzell and the Islanders looking to even things up with Tampa. No goals until mid-second when there were three scored in a 27-second span. Lightning got their goals 12 seconds apart. Andre Palat finishing the great feed from Nikita Kucherov. 2-1 Tampa after two. Then in the third, Braden Point nets his seventh of the playoffs. Lightning win 4-1, lead the series three games to one, game five on Tuesday. NBA playoffs, Kawhi and the Clippers with a chance to advance to the conference final for the first time in franchise history, but they're 0-6 in previous attempts. Clippers led by 18 in the third, but then went six minutes without a point. Jamal Murray with the throwdown, Nuggets down two after three. Denver dominated the fourth, outscoring L.A. 34-19, 64-35. They outscored them in the second half, and Denver forces Game 7 with the 111-98 win. And baseball today, Blue Jays and Mets from Buffalo. Toronto continues to play very solid baseball. Bases loaded for Santiago Espinal, and he unloads them. Doubles into the corner and left. All three runs come across. Jays take two of three from the Mets. They win 7-3. They're second in the AL East, and they open up a crucial three-game set against the Yankees in the Bronx on Tuesday. And we're not done yet because the Whitecaps have just taken the field against Montreal. Highlights of that one. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. At 11. Well, we know that a lot more people are working from home these days, and that can pose some challenges. And some of them are being caught on camera. While doing a live interview about the pandemic and Brexit, pretty serious stuff, a British MP was interrupted repeatedly by his two young children. Here's how he handled it. Frankly, having a new snoopers charter is, I don't think, exactly what we need. And sorry. Adam, can I come downstairs in a minute? Yeah, I'll do your face painting in a minute. <laughs> Apologies. And actually, if you see the results, there isn't much different. Well, sorry, I, this is this is the collection. The British yeah, Parliament. Daddy, you are not allowed. Oh, I'm not allowed. Okay. Well, look, I, I, governments are always trying to balance conflicting pressures between national and international law. Uh, but I'm not going to I'm not going to go into the details of, of that on your show. No, please, children, if, you, if you're going to jump on the phone. 
I'm, I'm terribly sorry. We've now got jumping on the bed. This has gone completely out of control. <laughs> I love so that he kept his sense of humor. <laughs> what else are you going to do, right? I guess the other thing is to lock the door, but he'll learn. He will learn that for next time. <laughs> yes, exactly. One quick look at weather, Yvonne. Uh, we're still looking at smoke tomorrow uh, through the week. Uh, do be careful and diligent out there as well. All right. Thanks so much. That is the news hour for tonight. Jordan's here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night.